Welcome to the Garden Weekly Bible Study on Hebrews. My name is Joel Fisher, and I'm a defender of Christianity and a student of Scripture. I'm here to help you go deeper in your faith by walking through Scripture with you. The Garden Weekly is a weekly newsletter that shares uh, seven links to Christian videos, podcasts, and articles around the internet with some commentary to help you understand why they're important. This is a new format. I've done Bible study articles before, but this is going to be walking through my Bible study posts uh, on video and with some graphics, and I'm eager to help uh, the people who learn better through video and audio. We're starting a study on the book of Hebrews, so today we will be looking at the introduction and the basic structure of Hebrews, and then next week we'll start our verse-by-verse study of Hebrews chapter 1. So, what is the book of Hebrews? It's an epistle. That's the Christian scholar name for it. The epistle to the Hebrews. You might see that in your Bible as well. What does an epistle mean? It means an occasional letter. Well, what does that mean? An occasional letter is just a letter that's written on an occasion. A letter that's written to a specific people for a specific reason. It could be a letter that's written to um, your grandma for... Uh, her birthday, or something like that. And the book of Hebrews resembles a sermon, and we'll get more into that as we go into our verse-by-verse study, but the author of Hebrews structures this to speak about theology and to prove that Christ is the superior uh, to the Old Covenant, to the angels, but then he also uses application of those theological points to show us why that's important, and how that should shape our lives. So who wrote the epistle to the Hebrews? We don't know, and anyone who says that they know is lying to you. It was probably not written by Paul. Um, A lot of people do think that, but for a couple of reasons that I've laid out here, I don't think that it was. For example, uh, Paul, in all of his letters that we have, he says, this is... Paul, to the church at Colossae, to the church at Philippi. Um, The Greek style is radically different from all of Paul's letters. Paul's letters do have different styles, but the epistle to the Hebrews really stands out as very, very different from anything else in Paul's writings that we have. The constant quotations of Old Testament scripture, Paul does quote here and there, and he alludes to a lot more, but Uh, The straight quotations in the epistle to the Hebrews is uh, bordering on extreme, and it isn't something that we see in Paul's other letters. Other clues in the text, such as Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, which I have up here, um, it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And I've highlighted that portion, it was attested to us by those who heard, right? So Paul, in the letter to the Corinthians, for example, Uh, declares himself an apostle, someone who heard directly from Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He says that he did not hear it from anybody else, but heard directly from the Holy Spirit. 
So this would seem to be in uh, opposition to what he would say elsewhere. It doesn't really make sense if this were Paul writing to say that it was attested to us by those who heard. Um, it would make much more sense if this wasn't an apostle, but somebody who, as we will see in a moment, runs in their circles. So some clues to the actual author. Um, the author does know Timothy, um, probably the same Timothy that Paul references, and that's in uh, chapter 13, verse 23. The author is probably in Italy. Uh, the, author, the author refers to Old Covenant saints as fathers. Uh, that's in verse 1 of chapter 1, uh, which would seem to imply that he has a Jewish heritage. The author is also intimately familiar with the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. So that is the translation that he used. It's not uh, the Hebrew translation or the Hebrew uh, writings of the Old Testament that is in the um, that is in the book to the the epistle to the Hebrews. It's actually the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures that he uses. And we can tell that because the wording is sometimes different. Um, even the, you know, verse numbers and things like that are sometimes different in the Septuagint. And the author seems to be intimately familiar with that translation specifically and uses it throughout his letter to the Hebrews. What that tells us is that he is probably a Jew, right? He, or else he wouldn't be so intimately familiar with the Hebrew scriptures, but he also is probably from outside of Judea. He's probably from outside of Israel. He is what we would call a Hellenistic Jew, which means that he grew up in the Greek world, but he's a Jew. So he still learns the scriptures, but he's more familiar with the Greek translation than the Hebrew originals. Who are the Hebrews? Um, so who is receiving this letter? Uh, Hebrew is another word for a Jew, uh, if you're not familiar with that term. So it's probably uh, people who are Jewish people, but this uh, epistle to the Hebrews name comes from later. It doesn't come from inside of the text of the actual letter. So this is something that scholars and early, early Christians thought was most likely. Um, and there's good reasons for that. Um, so that's probably a house church or a network of house churches, and that's in chapter 13 again. It's a group that knows the author well, based on verse 19, and I believe that we're going to get back to that. Um, it's probably also Hellenistic Jews, based on um, the author's use of the Greek translation and Greek in writing to them. If it were um, Jews in Judea, in Jerusalem, then he may, the author may have used Aramaic or Hebrew to write to them, but he used Greek and he used the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which seems like he is some, that's something that he would think that they're familiar with. So that's why he uses that. Um, they're also probably under persecution and perhaps tempted to return to Judaism. And I put a few scripture references up there. I'm not going to share the actual scriptures. You can look them up if you are interested. But the reason that I say that they were perhaps tempted to return to Judaism is because of the entire content of the letter, which we're going to get to in a minute in the structure to the Hebrews. But the entire content of the letter seems to be um, talking about how Jesus is better than all of the 
Jewish practices, the temple system, the priest system, the sacrificial system, how Jesus is better than all of these things, which doesn't really make sense. Why would the author be pointing to those specific reasons why Jesus is superior? If he were talking to uh, Greeks, um, pagan Greeks, not Jewish, you know, Jews from Greek regions, but if you he were talking to actual Greeks, people who grew up in Greek culture, worshiping Greek gods, this whole letter doesn't really make sense. The author would instead have to appeal to Jesus's superiority to um, the Roman and Greek gods, like Paul does in the book of Acts in his famous Mars Hill address, where he talks about how um, they worship gods, but they have a statue to the unknown God, and he launches off from there into talking about Jesus and um, Yahweh, the Christian God, and the Jewish God. That whole um, address makes sense for an audience of Greeks, and the epistle to the Hebrews as a whole makes sense to be aimed primarily at Jews. And they were probably tempted to return to Judaism because they seemed to be under persecution. And those uh, references that I give there are pointing to um, the authors uh, referring to the persecution that they may be under. When was the book of Hebrews written? It was probably written before 70 AD. And the reason that I say that is because, again, the entire book doesn't really make sense if it's written after 70 AD. Jesus is superior to all of these temple to the temple itself, to the priestly system, to all of these things. And that doesn't really make sense if the temple no longer exists, which is what happened in 70 AD. Uh, Rome came in and they destroyed the temple in response to a Jewish revolt. So if this were bo book were written after 70 AD, what would the author, why would the author be saying Jesus is superior to the temple and the priests that don't exist anymore? Um, so I think that it makes most sense to say that the book of Hebrews was written before 70 AD. When exactly? Scholars uh, have different opinions. 50s, 60s generally is the time frame that's referenced there. Um, based on the persecution that these Jews may have been under, they're trying to uh, fit that to dates when Rome may have been persecuting um, Jews or Christians. Why was the book of Hebrews written? So the book of Hebrews was written as a word of exhortation. And that's a $10 word. What is exhortation? Um, it's a word of encouragement. It's a word of trying to encourage uh, people to do a specific thing. And what is he trying to encourage them to do? To um, see Jesus as superior to the old covenant temple system. He's trying to help them to see Jesus as uh, worthy of worship. And as we'll see, um, worthy of holding on to their faith in Jesus uh, as the old covenant uh, saints held on to their faith in God's promises. He's trying to get them to hold on to the promises that Jesus has bought and paid for so that they can receive their reward. Um, and that is the source of the warning passages in the book of Hebrews, which we will come to a long time down the road, but are a source of controversy 
and a lot of theology even today. And lastly, we come to the overall structure of the book of Hebrews. And you can see on screen, I've put something here. Um, the I'm going to point this out. So this, this section right here, I should have probably made it a different color, but it is expanding on this section right here. So these three sections are internal to this section and kind of expand a little bit about what that means. So we have the introduction in Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, and that's what we will hopefully start next week, um, is looking at that introduction or part of that introduction. And that introduction kind of sets the stage. It is a um, attention grabber. It's the sermon opening that grabs your audience's attention. And then in chapter, the rest of chapter one and in chapter two, we have a section on how Jesus is the unique son of God and he is superior to all other heavenly beings. And then in chapters three through most of chapter 10, we have a section on how Jesus is superior to the old covenant. And that breaks down in a couple of different ways. Chapters three and four point to Jesus being superior to Moses and the rest that he brings is superior to the rest of the promised land. And like I said, each of these is a piece of theology mixed with a piece of application, like any good sermon would be. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verse 14 through chapter 7 uh, talks about Jesus as the superior temple priest. A priest is someone who mediates between God and another person. So the temple priests would sacrifice the offering that you brought to atone and uh, make purification for somebody. And Jesus does that as well. And the author to the Hebrews is pointing out how he is superior to the old covenant temple priests in doing so. And then we have Hebrews chapter 8 through most of chapter 10. And Jesus is superior to the temple itself and to the temple sacrifices. And then in the rest of chapter 10 through chapter 13, it's a encouragement for the uh, Hebrew believers to remain faithful to Jesus and to receive the promises that he earned for us. And then a last word of exhortation and greetings and things like that. So that's the overview and structure of the book of Hebrews. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this. I hope that it helped you to understand the book as a whole. Um, if you go to thegardenweekly.com and, and find the article attached to this, it's Hebrews Bible Study Part 1. You will also see a video there of um, the Bible Project, or you can just Google search Bible Project Hebrews. It's a really good overview and introduction to the book as well, much better than mine. I'm sure that they do more with the actual text and breaking down the structure much more than I did here. Um, and I would encourage you to take a look at that. It's, uh, it's very well done. The Garden Weekly is a weekly newsletter, and it's a ministry that helps you find Christian videos, podcasts, and articles that will deepen your understanding of Scripture and of God and of the world around us. And if you'd like to subscribe to that newsletter, you can go to www.thegardenweekly.com. You can uh, click the subscribe button in the upper right corner, and that'll put you on the list, and you can start uh, getting your issues every Friday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and I hope that they really encourage you. 
Uh, we're at about 150 subscribers now, which is really awesome. Uh, we've been doing this for about just over six months, and um, I've heard from a number of people that it's been a real encouragement to them. And if you enjoyed this video, you can hit the thumbs up, the subscribe button, and the bell to get notified of future videos. Hopefully we will be doing this every week as we walk through the book of Hebrews. There may be occasions where uh, we skip a week because I am talking about something else in the introduction to the newsletter, which is where you can also find all of the articles and videos to this. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much.